0: Big Blue looks to make it five straight wins this week. But will they have to do it without
1: Daniel Jones? We get into the quarterback situation, other key injuries, the NFC East race, and preview the key Giants-Cardinals matchup at MetLife Stadium on Sunday. We also chat with an undrafted Giants rookie that broke out
0: on the scene in his first two games the past two weeks. It's just a kid from Akron, Nico Lelos.
2: So get your snuggie. Turn up the heat, stir the soup, and crank up that volume. It's another playoff push edition of Blue Rush from the New York Post.
0: Ooh.
2: To Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Subscribe to the pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your bloody pods. Subscribe and follow all the crew of Blue Rush. That's Lawrence Tines at LT4Kicks. That's Paul Schwartz at NY Post underscore Schwartz. That's Sarah McCrory at Sarah McCrory and me at Jake Brown Radio. Giants rookie Nico Lelos is going to join us later in the show. We'll hear from you in You Got Mail segment. But first, we dive headfirst into the paper this week. And we got to start with the biggest issue at hand. And we'll start with Quarterback. Daniel Jones was limited Wednesday's walkthrough guys at practice as he deals with the strained right hamstring. Where do the Giants stand here? Is it realistic DJ will play or will we see another game with Colt McCoy
1: behind center on Sunday? Let's start with you, Paulie. Joe Judge said I'm optimistic on Wednesday. You know, I'm not so sure. I'm not pessimistic, but... The guy's still hurt. I mean, Daniel Jones, when you talk to him, he says, I'm still trying to get healthy. He's not there yet. He's trying for all the world to heal up. These things don't heal up overnight. It takes more than seven, eight, nine days. So I'm skeptical. Now, the key will be, look, Wednesday was a walkthrough. He stretched with the team. It was snowing a little bit. Nothing to see there. Thursday, Friday, Joe Judge says he hopes on Friday to know, You know, I don't think he wants to play games. He wants to say Daniel's a starter on Friday for Sunday's game against the Cardinals. But I don't know. I've talked to people inside the Giants, and they said, we are not putting this guy on the field if he can't protect himself. He's our franchise quarterback. We love him. We're not going to get him hurt. We're not going to get him killed out there. So Daniel Jones, I think right now he's got a lot of proving to do before he shows them he's ready to play.
0: Yeah, and you know, I, I think if you look at this, no one looks at it like they think they're going to lose football games. But between the Seattle game and the Arizona game, I think they had to go one-on-one. It's just kind of thinking maybe internally to make a run on those last three football games. They got the win in Seattle. If he's 75, 80 percent, you don't play him because part of his game obviously is mobility. And if he can't protect himself, like Paul said, optimistic, though, that's an interesting word that Joe Judge chose to use. That, to me, points more towards him playing. I don't think Joe Judge is a guy who plays games. I don't think he's trying to you know, put a, Maybe he is. Maybe he's put a little scare tactic into Arizona as they're looking at film this week. But we'll have to see. Hamstrings are very, very tricky. And obviously, Daniel moves around a lot. So you have to be very careful. You don't want to lose him for the last three ball games.
1: Yeah, because it can get worse. You know that, yeah. But what, oh, yeah. what Joe Judge said is, I know he's going to tell us everything we want to hear. He said, we've got to use our eyes instead of our ears with Daniel. He's basically saying... Daniel is going to lie to us. He's going to say he's feeling good and he wants to play. And Daniel admitted that. He said, I want to compete. You know, Daniel Jones is a tough guy. And I think he looks at his Duke background, and some people think, ah, Duke, it's not as tough as these other teams. He is very serious about, I am a player. I need to play. I'm a tough guy. He wants to prove, he said, I'm a quarterback and I'm the captain of the team. He feels he is letting everybody down if he doesn't play. But that's why they're not going to listen to him. They're going to watch him, and uh, I just don't know. I, I think people did assuming that he was close last week. I don't think he was very close. Yeah, I year. don't either. I don't think he was close, and so he, oh well, it's another week. He's going to get better. He's still hurt. If he goes on the field Sunday, he will still be hurt. It's a matter of how hurt is he and can he manage it.
0: And Vance Joseph, coach defense, they're going to blitz. I think this team blitzes a ton. Buddha Baker and some of these guys they got. I mean, they can they can they can blitz you from every different angle. So. They're going to take that into consideration as well.
3: Speaking of injuries, guys, the anchor to the Giants defense and friend of the Blue Rush podcast, Blake Martinez, left Sunday's game with a lower back injury. I know this is top of mind for me and other Giants fans. Do you think he'll play Sunday? And is anyone else in danger of missing the game?
0: You know what? I We don't know much, right? Because today was a walkthrough. I think, you know, tomorrow, Paul will give us an update and we'll see if he's out there on the field. If he's if he's not out there, I would be a little worried. I think Crowder played pretty well there when he went in late in the game and you know, he made some plays, but Blake Martinez is Blake Martinez. He's he's paid a lot of money because he's a very very good football player and believe me, I was nervous too just like everyone else when he went out of the game. Low backs again. We're back with tricky injuries. I mean, low back for a linebacker who hits a lot and has to move around and cover a lot of ground is kind of a scary little injury. So Hopefully he can play, but again, we won't know much until tomorrow and see if he's in bats.
1: Yeah. uh, Joe Judge, when asked about Blake Martinez, you know, do you think he'll play? He said, I hope so. You know, he said he was in meetings, he was laughing, he was smiling, but you know, that's Blake Martinez. Now this is serious because he's their leading tackler. He is the brains of the outfit. He's no question. He is the brains of the outfit. He wears the green dot helmet, which has the radio transmitter in it. He is One on one simpatico with Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator. And the interesting thing, you know, Logan Ryan is like Cyborg Part Two. He's like the second brains of the outfit. And when Blake Martinez was not in there on that last drive, Logan Ryan gets the green dot. Okay. So he's communicating with Patrick Graham. So that's a little bit of an ace in the hole. He's not the middle linebacker, but Logan Ryan is very smart. And it was really fascinating this week to hear Logan Ryan talk about the mental aspect on the Jabril Pepper sack in the game. Remember, Lawrence, when Jabril Peppers kind of waited and waited, took spot. He said, Jabril was lined up. You do so much fake blitzing and bluffing, you know, just line up in the blitz and they're not going to believe you're coming. You know, because you line up and fake it. You know, he was kind of schooling Jabril Pepper saying, they're going to see you and saying you're not coming because it looks like you're coming. And he said, sometimes you have to go even when they think you're going to go. And that's exactly what happened. As Logan Ryan said, he lined up and went in and he destroyed everybody in the backfield. So they'll be in good hands with Logan Ryan wearing the green dot helmet but they'd rather have logan ryan deep and blake martinez yeah. in the middle calling the place there's no yeah th-
0: there's no doubt and that shows you a lot about we pat logan ryan on the back a lot because of what he brings to this team but and just being in football i mean safeties don't get the green dot helmet very often that tells you what kind of football player he is Guys, the NFC
2: East is slowly going from what looks like to be a four-team race to now a two-team dogfight in these final four weeks. Now that could change, as we know, has this division has shaken up. But the Cowboys lost again; they're now three and nine. They're in trouble. The Eagles are three eight and one in turn of rookie Jalen Hurts, and he's got to go against the ten and two Saints. The G-men have to worry about Washington, though, who stunned the previously undefeated Steelers on Monday. I know Tynes is proud he called that one. Made a couple good predictions this week with the Giants and Washington. They are tied at 5-7, and seven, as we know the Giants lead the tiebreaker, with one game left against a team over five hundred in the Seahawks. What do you make of this NFC East right now, and are you concerned that Washington could win this division?
1: Yeah, of course, they can. Now, look, you mentioned the Giants have the tiebreaker. So, Washington has to finish ahead of the Giants. They can't be tied. I think looking at who you're playing up next is tricky stuff because it's hard to see. In week 17, are the Cowboys playing for something? Probably not. It was fascinating. The Cowboys, I think Sunday night football started in 2006, I believe. Okay. The Cowboys have never been flexed out of Sunday night football, ever. Whether they're good, bad, or indifferent, they are a great, TV draw. So to have them flexed back into a one o'clock game in two weeks and have the Giants Browns game at 820 tells you that the networks think the Giants are worth watching. The Giants are in the playoff caliber team. The Giants are the team people care about. And when you look at the division, the Cowboys are wondering about their head coach, Mike McCarthy. The Eagles bench their quarterback, Lawrence Tynes' Mm -hmm. guy, Carson Wentz. So if Daniel Jones can come back healthy, I still wonder about Alex Smith. He's a game guy. He's a game manager, but I just wonder about him holding up. So if Daniel Jones can come back healthy, I think that could give the Giants an edge.
0: Yeah, and I would say Pittsburgh lost that game more than Washington won it. I mean, that's just how I look at that football game. I mean, Connors has been out. They haven't they had zero run game. Just, I've
1: never seen a team not run the ball.
0: Not run the ball. Not I mean, on ball. third and two, third and one, fourth and two. They're throwing little outs and you know, out and ups one time. And it's just, it's ridiculous. But of course, when you're 11 and 0, you can do whatever the hell you want. But the Cowboys, listen, that is a, you know, I, I'm looking way ahead. That is a dangerous game, man. You're playing a team that's playing for nothing and they have great skill guys. I, I i worry about that game at the end of the year. And of course I'm getting away from Joe judge's plan here talking about Arizona, but about the NFC East. I mean, listen, Washington is dangerous because of that defense. Now, I don't think they pack as much a punch on offense, but that last game of the year scares me if that's for all the marbles because a team that has nothing to play for is the scariest damn team you can play, especially when they've got an offense like the Cowboys.
1: And I know you're very sensitive to lower bodies because you made your living with your legs and your feet. When Gibson pulled up in that Washington game, right? And then they, remember they showed on the sideline, the bandaging his toe yeah. and then he doesn't come back in the game. He's not going to be playing this week, is he? I mean, I I don't know if it's turf toe or dislocated. I don't know what it was, but he and Terry McLaurin are the two best offensive weapons. So moving forward, let's see if they can survive not having their excellent rookie running back. He's a big loss.
0: You know, going back to the Pittsburgh-Washington game, there was nine or ten drops in that game. It was a lot of drop. I mean, they had so many drop balls, which is very uncharacteristic of that team. So that's why I say Pittsburgh lost that game. I don't think Washington won it.
1: And how about when you hear Mike Tomlin asked about those drops? This is why everyone loves Mike Tomlin. Did you hear what he said about those drops? Yeah. yeah. What did he say? Something like, we pay guys to catch the ball. They didn't catch the ball. If they can't catch the ball, we'll find guys who can catch the ball. (laughs)
0: Right. That's what happens when you've won. You've had a winning season or a 500 season ever since you came in the league. So he's in complete control of that team.
3: Okay, guys, looking ahead to this week, the 5-7 and seven Giants will be at home at MetLife Stadium Sunday at 1 p.m. against the 6-6 six and six Cardinals, who have lost three straight games. The Cardinals are two-and-a-half point favorite. Mm-hmm. LT, start with you, break down the game for us, and then give us your prediction.
0: Okay, Kyler Murray is struggling. It's, it's well noted over the last four or five weeks, and there has been a plan designed from other teams. It's a copycat league. Patrick Graham will have his own plan. I think they find a way. Again, this is all predicated on Daniel Jones starting. If Colt McCoy plays, I, like I said, you have to score points against this team. I think we score more with Daniel in there. I'm going to pick the Giants because I'm anticipating Daniel Jones playing. I think they win 30 to 27. Wow,
1: the Giants scoring 30 points, huh? I mean, do you yep. realize how often the Giants have scored 30 points this year?
0: Uh, I don't know. I just threw it out there. But never, right?
1: Okay. I mean, okay. Well, I mean, I'm worried about this team's offense. I'm worried about their margin for error. I'm worried about Daniel Jones playing, like I said earlier. Look, the Cardinals are on the decline. There's no question about it. They've lost, what, three in a row? I think four of their last five. They were the hot shot. Kyler Murray running around. Uh, can't be stopped offense, and they've been stopped. Their defense isn't great. They have um, Devon Kennard, the former Giant draft pick. He's starting at linebacker. Marcus mm-hmm. Golden is there. He's not doing a whole lot, but I'm sure he'll be motivated to come back and play against his former team. I just have visions of Chase Edmonds, the Fordham Flash, running wild against the Giants. <laughs> he did it last year? You know, he's he's got a little bit of that Giant killer in him. And look, Logan Ryan said it. They just did well against DK Metcalf, right? Logan Ryan said, we're playing the best receiver we played this year in DeAndre Hopkins. He is a lot better than DK Metcalf in yeah. my mind. And so I'm worried about him. I'm just worried about this game. I've said the word worried about a hundred times in, in this podcast. I see something there. No crowd. We're all assuming that the Giants are going to win. The Cardinals are coming from, you know, from across the country. I'm not picking the Giants in this game. I think, I think, I think, The Giants have a heartbreak in them, and I think this is the heartbreak. I could see something like 23-20, something like that. Until the Giants can score 25, 30 points, I'm not thinking they can. Yeah, it's fair.
3: Okay, I know you guys think that I always pick the Giants, but I'm looking at this as a fan perspective – last weekend i have not felt this way watching a giants team in a very long time and i was so excited about the defense i think if the giants defense can hold off russell wilson and the seahawks offense to virtually no touchdowns for almost four quarters I don't see why the Cardinals would be a problem. So I'm going 23-9 Giants. It's a defensive Woo! win.
1: Nine. Holy cow. I mean, we
3: almost oh. did it last weekend. Let's
0: go,
1: Sarah.
3: Yes. Man. I'm manifesting this.
1: Nine thrown out there. Wow. Random number. but well, we know Greg Zerline's not kicking for the Cardinals. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, wait, hold on. Before we get finished, did Greg Zerline um... No, he actually he actually missed the playing last night, too. But in a different life, did he like kill you in a different life or something like that? Um I thought kickers are supposed to all have this this fraternity. We all stick up for each other. I and said nobody...
0: it last night. Only the good ones stick together. Holy, no. not in that category. I guess
1: not. Greg the leg. Nobody ever called you Lawrence the leg. Yeah, but t- the leg. The legs Greg. are overrated.
0: Uh, Bryson DeChambeau hits it four hundred yards. I've always said
2: about Zerline, his name. Everyone calls him Greg the Leg. His name's got Zerline's Airline, Zerline's Hairline. He's got so many brands that he could develop out of his name, but that's besides the point. I'm taking the Giants 23-20 here. That's, again, if Daniel Jones plays, um, I think Arizona's struggling. I think Patrick Graham's going to draw up the best of the schemes against uh, Kyler Murray. But if Colt McCoy plays, I'd say 23-20 Arizona. Guys, before we move on to our interview with Nico Lelos, instead of Tyne's time this week, we're going to do Schwartz's story. And uh, unfortunately, former Giants head coach Ray Perkins sadly passed away at the age of 79. So, Paul, would love for you to reflect on the life of Ray Perkins.
1: Well, believe it or not, he is someone who I did not cover. There are people who actually were around the Giants before I started covering. He was the Giants coach from 79 to 82, and it really was the precursor it's like if you have a great movie and then before it there's a maybe a lesser known movie that set up this movie ray perkins was the guy who came in and brought order to the franchise okay this franchise had not been in the playoffs it it was a stretch of 17 years he was here four years with the giants he only had one winning season okay started in 1979 i think he was six and ten And then four and 12 in 1980 and say, oh boy, right. There's a problem in 1981, 1981 is a seminal year in Giants history. They go nine and seven that broke the 17 year cycle of the Giants, not making the playoffs. And if you think of that, when you start rooting for a team, maybe you're eight or 10 years old, let's say you're 10 years old. So from 10 to 27, the team that you love is not in the playoffs. That's a long time. That's a lifetime. So 17 years, he broke it in 81. They, Made the playoffs. They won a playoff game. The next year in the strike year, they go four and five, you know, and then he gets a job at his alma mater, Alabama. He was going to come back to the Giants. He could not turn down Alabama replacing Bear Bryant. I mean, you know, that's just the, the stuff of legend, right? But his legacy was bringing them back to the playoffs. And oh, by the way, he hired someone named Bill Parcells to be a linebacker coach. He hired someone named Bill Belichick to be a defensive assistant. And he hired someone named Romeo Crennel. Okay. So mm-hmm. without Ray Perkins, there's no Bill Parcells and there's no Bill Belichick to take over and lead this Giants franchise into their great years. So Ray Perkins... Did more than plant the seeds. Bill Parcells, you know, reaped the rewards of Ray Perkins. Tough guy, tough coach, good coach. Died at the age of 79. He's still a popular presence in the Giants building. And Joe Judge said he has spoken to Ray Perkins because Joe Judge also coached at Alabama. And he said, the thing that Ray Perkins told me is when you evaluate players, don't look at them and say, what are they now? Look at them and say, what can they be? Don't judge them now. Judge them what they can be. So I would have loved to be a fly in the room when Ray Perkins was talking to Joe Judge because Joe Judge embraces the history of the Giants, and Ray Perkins is a big part of that history.
2: Well said, Paul. And, you know, thoughts and prayers to Ray Perkins and his family who passed away at the age of 79. And, guys, before we do get to Nico Lelos, we do have one voicemail this week in our You Got Mail segment. Listen in. Hey,
4: Mr. Schwartz, ALT. This is Nick from Long Island. Obviously, we've all been thrilled with how Leonard Williams and Logan Ryan have looked all year, but with both of them and Dalvin Tomlinson from free agency with a lot of great players out there, I'm wondering if you guys have a sense of the Giants' plan as far as who's going to get extended and who might get left out.
2: Thanks. Can we start off with Mr. Schwartz? I mean, did, did he used to babysit Schwartz. this kid? Who, who is
1: this guy? Well, it's someone who obviously uh, respects great maturity and great insight, obviously. And uh, great
0: podcasters.
1: And, uh, well, that's, I think he's talking about you with that one, Lawrence and Sarah and Jake. Nice. I'm just hanging on here. He mentioned what Leonard Williams. Uh, look, Leonard Williams is the guy that mm. is becoming a guy you have to sign, have to, he's making a double digit sacks. He's got eight and a half sacks. So Leonard Williams is a guy after last year, you're like, well, we need to see more. Well, how much more do you need to see? They like him in the building. Uh, Joe judge likes him a lot. He he's a popular guy. He's a cool guy, kind of a breezy presence, you know what I mean? And so I think he has to be resigned. And depending on what the cap is, that could spell problems for Dalvin Tomlinson. Because I don't know if they can afford both of those guys. But to me, Leonard Williams is is almost your number one priority right now.
0: Yeah. And you've got, you know, you've got some younger players there. You got Dexter Lawrence in the in the D tackles, but Logan Ryan, I think, is at a point in his career where he obviously is happy. He's playing for someone he likes. He's made a ton of money in this league. He's going to get paid again. I think he stays. Leonard Williams looks like he's having the time of his life, the best year of his career, and he looks like he's having a ton of fun playing with this this organization. I think he stays. But again, this salary cap is going to be way less next year than what it is today. And there's other guys out there. You know, we talk about cornerback two and some of these other guys they're going to have to pay. I think there's they'll find a way to keep these guys. I would love Dalvin Tomlinson oof, I, you know, great player. People speak highly of him, but he may command big money on the open market. And I think we have the players in-house to kind of t- pick up where he left off.
1: And don't forget, you have to manipulate this year to year. It's not in a vacuum. Yep. They don't have to pay Daniel Jones yet, but at some point they have to. Yep. So he's, he's still on the cheap. Saquon Barkley's not going to get his big payday coming off an ACL, yep. but in a year or two, he may have to. So you have to juggle where's the money now where's the money going to be later but look nobody in the league knows nobody in the league knows there's been no fans all year the cap is going to take a hit and everyone may have to look at themselves in the mirror and say i'm an 18 million dollar a year player but the money is not there so uh you know Leonard they could they were not yeah. close to a deal last year he's making 16 million this year on the franchise tag they could franchise him again i don't think they want to yeah. but Look, the guy's 26 years old and he's doing everything you want. You can't let those guys walk out the door, period.
0: Yeah. And Wayne Gallman on the offensive side, I know that wasn't the question, but it, it just perks my attention when we talk about free agency. I, Wayne Gallman is not going to command big money. I'm sorry. He doesn't have a resume. He He's a running back. So there's two strikes against him. I mean, I think there's a they'll find a way, if they want to, to keep Wayne Gallman.
1: And don't forget, I mean, I think somebody could offer Wayne Goleman more than the Giants do, but maybe the Giants, the Giants have to hedge their bet here because they have yep. a running back coming off an ACL. So you yep. have to have a legitimate number two. We'll see if Wayne Goleman wants to be paid like a legitimate number two or like a, a 1A. We'll say just
0: give it all to Alfred Morris, the ageless back. He's 52 now. Well, they gave
1: it all to the kicker Graham Gano, so you should be happy with that, right? As well, they should
0: the highest scorer on the football team. Yes. Joining us next on Blue Rush is just a
2: kid from Akron, Nico Lelos. Joining Blue Rush next is a rookie defensive end out of Dartmouth that has burst on the scene as soon as his name was called. In his NFL debut, after getting elevated off the practice squad against the Bengals, he made a key diving interception off a deflection in the third quarter, which would propel the Giants to a win. Then on Sunday... In his second career game, no big deal, he recovered a fumble from Russell Wilson against the Seahawks that was the key to Big Blue's fourth straight win. He was officially signed on Tuesday to the Giants' active roster. He already got a shout-out from some other guy that went to St. Vincent, St. Mary's. He's some kind of king with the James at the end, something like that, on Twitter a few times. It's just a kid from Akron, number 57, Nico... Laylos, Nico, welcome to Blue Rush. It's Jake Brown, Lawrence Tynes, Paul Schwartz. How are you, man? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Happy to be on here with you guys. Is it true, Nico, that you were a black belt at 10 years old? And please describe how that happens. It was
4: true. When I was about three or four years old, my mom was trying to figure out how, ways to tire me out as a rambunctious little kid. So she found this like local Taekwondo dojo. And threw me in there to kind of tire me out. And then it kind of turned into going
2: through the belts. And then by age 10, I passed my first degree black belt test. Well, Cobra Kai, the new season is calling uh, Nico Lelos for sure <laughs> on Netflix. We'll see you there.
1: Hey, Nico, it's Paul Schwartz. Cover the team for the New York Post. In a normal year, I would have seen you plenty of times. Uh, as we all know, it's not a normal year. So either Zoom or remote things is the way to cover you. Hopefully next year I can stand by a locker and talk to you in person. When you think about your journey... And getting here you know the ivy league is not uncharted territory in the nfl but it's certainly not the road more taken what is it like to be an ivy leaguer in the nfl do you and patrick graham who went to yale i mean you guys swap ivy league stories and the guys still kind of rib you a little bit when they hear about where you're from and that you're an ivy leaguer
4: oh yeah most definitely the guys love to give me a bunch of crap for it all the time you know just kind of poke fun at it whenever the opportunity arises, but it's cool to be kind of like the road less traveled. I know it's definitely a different experience, a college experience, especially knowing like a lot of the guys that come from like the SEC and the Big Ten, the back 12. But uh, it's also cool to kind of have someone like Coach Graham uh, understands what it's like to come from the Ivy League and then be up here in the NFL on a daily basis.
1: I mean, you say they give you some crap. I and mean, what, what what do they do? I mean, do they assume you're really, really a genius at all times? That they think you're not tough enough? How does, you know, these Alabama and Clemson and Notre Dame guys, you know, how do, how do they kind of give it to an Ivy Leaguer?
4: The first thing they did was, I remember in training camp, they asked me, two guys were like arguing about like which planet had rings around it. And they they're like, <laughs> oh, like whatever... Whenever there's some like stupid scientific question, they always think to ask me like I'm supposed to know everything, um, and then I usually don't know it because you know I'm not a big astrology guy. They'll just give me a bunch of crap. They're like, "Come on, dude, aren't you an Ivy League? You're like, aren't you supposed to know these things?" And then I'll just kind of laugh and move on
0: with my day. Hey, Nico, it's Lawrence. Hey, thanks for coming on, and congratulations on your fast start and making the team. I know you're an undrafted guy like me, and I know it's a lot tougher for us to make football teams. During training camp, was there a moment in time, maybe during camp, where you felt like, man, these guys like me, they like what I'm doing? Was there ever that moment? What moment did you really think you made the team? Was it not until the very end?
4: Yeah, I definitely would be kind of a little of both. Like, you definitely could say, like, oh, I had a good day today. I feel good, blah, blah, blah. But I think just the way Coach Judge did it, I remember a lot of the vets saying, like, training camp was different from, like, other teams' training camps that they've, like, been with in past years in the sense that, like, everything was, like, split up so everyone could get a more fair share of reps, especially, like, since we didn't have any preseason games. I think that's kind of, like, how they did it, making sure they could kind of evaluate everyone and make sure everyone kind of had a – swing of the bat but I guess yeah like there's definitely those days where some guys are having like better days than other guys and you just kind of bounce back and overcome the adversity
0: because you started out on practice squad right yeah yeah if they would have had a preseason and you would have balled like you've been balling there's no chance you would have started out on the practice squad so the Giants owe you a couple extra dollars here that's What they really should do is give you or some or subtract extra a paycheck. couple of laps, right? Joe yeah. Judging's Credit credits, of laps, yeah. we need to get some more money in his pocket because you would have definitely made the 53 man roster out of camp.
4: I really say agree or disagree because there was never any preseason game. So, I mean, I've never been in the preseason, so I don't really know how they actually... You would have been going up against
0: third string offensive tackles, and you're you know, you're playing really well against starters in the NFL, so you would have had like seven sacks.
1: <laughs> Dico, can you explain to our listeners? I mean, the practice squad is. Is just a, a different kind of animal. You're on the team, but on the weekends, you're not on the team. So can you explain to people who, you know, I've covered the Giants for a long time. It's always hard for me to explain what a practice squatter's life is like. Can you explain it to people that they can really understand? Because let's face it, for most of the season, you were a practice squad guy.
4: Yeah. Um, I think the best way to do is how I explained it to my friends. Kind of was like, being a freshman all over again like you're on the team but you may or may not get to dress and travel with the team you do everything the team does during the week you show up you go to all the meetings you work out you practice you do all the same drills you got to learn all the plays and everything and whatnot in case someone gets hurt and an opportunity presents itself. But um, when it comes to Sunday, you just don't dress and usually up in the box or if it's an away game, you just stay at home and watch it on your TV. But other than that, I mean, it's I'd say it's pretty similar. I mean, you just kind of a little bit lower on the depth chart and you just kind of got to keep working your way up to prove yourself to kind of crack the rotation.
2: Nico, a couple of part question here. One, did you see LeBron's tweet shouting you out before that game Two, outside of the St. Vincent, St. Mary's, Akron. What is your connection to LeBron? Have you guys hung out or are you guys friendly, you know, besides just being from the same town?
4: First question, no, I actually didn't see it until afterwards because there's a rule that your coach judge doesn't want us putting our headphones in and using our phones, like X amount of minutes before the game. And I didn't want to, like, get fined or anything. So I made sure I had my phone, like, tucked away out of sight i didn't want to get in trouble so i actually didn't find out until after the game when one of the one of my teammates actually like asked me and was like yo like how do you know lebron like, did you see what he tweeted and i was like what do you mean like no i have no idea what you're talking about and then they they showed me a screenshot on his phone but uh as like personal connections other than high school it's actually funny so my mom's a high school teacher and she had two students that used to be high school students of her way a little bit before i was born and they ended up kind of working for LeBron and she used to babysit me when I was an infant. And so that kind of connection. And then I ended up later going to that high school and playing for the same varsity basketball coach. So it's kind of like twofold, but as a, as a personal like hangout, I've never really done any like personal things like that.
2: Well, he owes you a couple of bottles next time uh, you're in Akron. I think when, <laughs> That's when COVID right. is over.
1: That's right. Yeah. It's not bad, right? When a guy with 48 million followers, uh, Shouts you out. And that's before your incredibly athletic interception in Cincinnati, right? So he wasn't, LeBron wasn't like a bandwagon guy. He was on you before you made your big turnover, you know, which is pretty good. You know, Nico, when you have your success, create a turnover in your first game, create a turnover in your second game. And it seems like your teammates really are happy for you. Leonard Williams was thrilled by it. Uh, Logan Ryan the other day called you. He said, he's part of the early risers crew, what is he talking about there?
4: Just the, the first ones in, last ones out type of deal. I remember during one of my first weeks in training camp, I asked Coach Judge, like, what, what does it take to be successful in this league? And he's like, you got to be dedicated and accountable. And he's like, a lot of guys will start by showing up at 5, 5.30 in the morning. So I was like, all right, I'll start there. And uh, Logan Ryan was always one of the first people in the building, and he kind of, like, noticed me. He's like, what are you doing here? Um, and I was like, <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to earn my teeth just like you and and then I kind of got to start to pick his brain a little bit and I kind of decided like that's the kind of person I wanted to be known for so I just kind of accepted that lifestyle and work ethic and attitude and that's what I try and do is I try and beat him try and beat Logan in the facility because I know I'm beating him and I'm doing something right so hopefully it works out.
1: Have you ever done it? Have you ever beaten Logan in?
4: Oh yeah yeah anytime we beat each other we'd make sure to bring it up to the other person and point it out and say oh man you're late what's wrong
0: <laughs> well look you're you're doing a lot of things right obviously to get on the field I want to test your Dartmouth football knowledge there was four players prior to you had lengthy NFL careers and there's actually a kid in Carolina named Matt Caskey. was that a guy you went up against quite a bit in yeah Matt,
4: Matt Matt's one year older than I am we were good friends we we know each other well
0: so you went up against him obviously he's an NFL player as well but who are the four other long-term Dartmouth players what is the mascot of Dartmouth? The Big Green. So, who are the other yeah. four Dartmouth Big Green NFL legends? Nico Some didn't know he was getting
2: a Dartmouth trivia questions on the podcast. Yeah, we're going
0: deep things. in here. I'm sure you know this. There's only four
4: of them. That's a good question. I know one played for Cincinnati. I'm trying to think. Played hey, defensive. No, what was
0: that? So we're not off to a very good start here. These things ought to be yeah, rattled
4: I, I want to, I know Reggie Williams. Is Really, the yep. only one that comes to mind. Ding,
0: ding, ding. And then I want to
4: say there was a quarterback. Yeah.
0: He had awesome ears. Uh, uh, Jay Feedler. Jay Feedler.
4: That's what it was. Yeah, those okay. are the two I, that I remember. It. A, one, other, other two, one other quarterback. I have no idea. I'm so sorry. Jeff
0: Camp. And then actually, uh, borderline Hall of Fame kicker. Borderline, I say. He's in the Chiefs' ring of honor. Nick Lowry played 18 years. He played for the Jets, too, I believe. Who was the, other, yeah. who was the quarterback, oh, sure the
2: third guy, you said, LT?
0: Jeff Kemp. Jeff Kemp. Jeff Kemp, a role player, I believe. But he got 10 years in the league. Reggie Williams 14, Fiedler 9. So what we're looking for here, Nico, is 15 years. That'd be great. I'd, I'd sign
2: me up. If you can guarantee that, I'd sign right up for that. And Big Green is what you're chasing as well as the NFL player. Big Green dollar bills. Uh, soon enough, you're on the active roster <laughs> now. We always ask our guests, do you have a tally of your Joe Judge laps? You know how many laps you've run so far?
4: Laps by myself or laps that the defense has had to run as a whole?
2: Oh, well now I kind of want to hear both.
4: <laughs> Personally, I've Never had to run a lap by myself, but probably run, I want to say like four or five, maybe like half a dozen laps as a defense when we were in training camp.
2: Do you like that that grit and toughness that Judge has instilled in this team? Everyone raves about him. You as a rookie kind of learning from your first NFL head coach, what does it mean kind of learning from uh, his kind of style, hard-nosed style, and, you know, the whole sliding in the mud before the season, everything that he's done so far.
4: Oh, I I love it because I think a lot of people of my generation catch a bad rap saying that we're a soft generation, so I think it's kind of cool to embody, try and embody something that's not soft and, like you said, very hard-nosed, and I think that's a great way to kind of build a, a strong culture for a football team.
1: Nico, you, you know, obviously coming out of Dartmouth, it's, it's a hard road to get there, as you've said. What did the Hula Bowl, you were the defensive MVP of the Hula Bowl, right? I mean, and that's, you know, I think six tackles, two sacks, a forced fumble. Do you think that in some way catapulted you on some people's radar in the NFL that helped you get in the door with the Giants?
4: I mean, I guess so. I don't, I mean, I don't really know for sure, but I mean,
1: in my own opinion, a lot
4: of, People kind of question if smaller school guys can play with bigger school, like power five guys. And that was an all-star game that allowed me to kind of size up the competition and kind of get an opportunity to play with and against bigger school, power five players. So, I mean, it definitely could have could have helped my cause, but how much it really helped it, I have no idea. But um, I think it's a great opportunity to really showcase your talents on a bigger stage.
2: Nico, you get signed to the roster this week, and here the Giants are right in the thick of a playoff race. Are you pumped up right now? Like, is this team going to practice every day, hyped that, you know, right now you're in first place and a couple more wins, and you might be playing in January?
4: Absolutely, yeah. No, every, every day, I think the guys are very focused and motivated and energetic, especially the way we're playing right now. It's easy to show up to work every day and know what you have to get done and be motivated and excited to do it.
2: Well, Nico, uh, we're rooting for you, man. We're so happy for your success so far. Follow him on Twitter, nlalos90 on Twitter. Follow him because he needs to get that follower count. You're at less than me right now, Nico. We got to bring that number up. King James brought you up a couple thousand. Get you verified as well. Um, And you can follow him on Instagram at nlalos. Good luck the rest of the way, man. Go Giants, and uh, we'll be watching. Appreciate it. Thank you
0: that says cheerio to episode 57 the chase blackburn edition of blue rush our new york giants podcast from the new york post thanks to jake brown and sarah mccroy for producing the show subscribe to blue rush on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you get your bloody pods for paulie schwartz i'm lawrence tines we jump back into your headphones on monday following giants cardinals enjoy the game folks and stay safe Oh, I
4: like it.